bum bum bottom 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 bum
to things that you get on your hands. Are and you are you referring to the fact that I find Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four utterly repulsive? You get super skeeved out by his powers. Yeah, well, because he stretches out in a way that a human body shouldn't stretch out. You know, we've been covering the Fantastic Four on the podcast when we're not doing Creator Corner episodes. We just started our Sue and Reed chat. That means we started with our Fantastic Four issues one through six from 1961, Jack Kirby Stanley, great stuff. But I did discover while reading those comics that watching Mr. Fantastic Reed turn his body, contort his body into a wheel or a spring or squeeze his entire face through like a pinhole is gnarly, is gross. It's grotesque. To you. Well, yeah, to me. I guess just my heart is more open to people of all kinds of extraordinary abilities. Like, Johnny Storm turns on fire, flames on. That's rad. That's cool. The thing covered in rocks. Covered in rocks. He's all bumpy. He's all roided out. He looks rad. Invisible Girl... I mean, you can't see her, so I guess she looks... Bonus Jonas. (laughs) Bonus Jonas. (laughs) That's how Reed treats it anyway. But Reed and characters like Reed, Plastic Man, I have the same issues. Elongated Man, I have the same issues. Even Ms. Marvel, to an extent, with her embiggen powers, Mm. makes me feel weird. Uh, And that's just who I am. But I also don't think, like, you know... You have some weird phobias too. And if we were playing the phobia game, I, I would don't know. win. Yeah, for, you would win, I think. For a level of alarm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess like the thing that you're phobic about, and you know, longtime listeners know what that is already. And if you're new to us, you need to listen to our back catalog to figure out what that phobia is. But like, I, I think I understand that. I encounter it in the real world. Yeah. Like, to me. I mean, I just encountered it with gasoline, though. Yeah, but I mean, you're not going to encounter somebody with stretch powers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Out in the world. Yeah, right, right, right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I recognize, Lisa, that I'm a weirdo and that we've just spent like the first six minutes of this episode talking about how. I can't stand the smell of gasoline. And even now, as it's wafting into my nostrils, I just want to I just want to get this introduction over with. And I don't even mean that because, again, I really love this episode. Uh, but I, I think I need like three or four more washes until I'm comfortable. I'll have you know, I actually don't smell it. Oh, good. Really? I don't. Over it's here, all I, don't. I smell. I smell the CBD oil and I smell the gasoline under it. I think it's just like up in your up in your nose. Yeah, that's probably true. And well, anyway, we're here to talk about Bubble from First Second Books and creators Jordan Morris, Sarah Morgan, Tony Cliff, and Natalie Reese. The comic will be coming out on July 13th of this year. And we got a chance to talk to Jordan and Tony about the comic and to get you excited, to get you to pre-order this book. We've read it. We love it. We truly do. It is sci-fi. Yes. It is dystopian. It is hilarious. Yeah, it's damn funny. And I was surprised at how funny it was. Now, should I read the back of the book so that the folks know what the narrative is? Oh, I think I have it in me to just tell it from the heart. Okay, let's hear it. Earth has been overrun by these crazy monsters with mysterious goo powers called imps. And the human population has been split into these corporate-run communities housed in biodomes or bubbles. Morgan is 29 years old. 
She was rescued from the wilderness beyond the bubble as a child, and she is hired because of her survival skills by an Uber-like app called Hunter to be on call to kill imps. And it's really about her trying to figure out where in the world she fits, just like any 29-year-old. And there's like a Scooby-like gang that circles around her, and there's all kinds of fun relationships to dissect and talk about, which we do with Jordan and Tony in this interview. I love first, second books. They're one of my favorite publishers, Bloom. We've talked about it here on this podcast. It's one of our most cherished and adored graphic novels. Um, but Bubble does it really feel like a first, second book? I mean, it does, but also it doesn't. So like when you start reading the book, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, this, this is vibing with what I know a first, second book to be, but then that first imp monster shows up and then that belly gets cut and then that geyser of jelly donut blood explodes and there's way more swears. And I was like, whoa, this is my jam, my jelly donut <laughs> jam, and I'm not gonna get it on my fingers. <laughs> I came into Bubble with a completely different set of expectations because Bubble actually started as a narrative teleplay-like podcast of the same name, and it was filthy. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised mm. how much of the filth they retained <laughs> mm -hmm in the graphic novel. I think it's also worth pointing out, Lisa, that you are a big fan of Jordan Morris and his podcast universe. Yeah, yeah, I am a maximum fun listener. I've been listening to Jordan Jesse Go for years. I also love when he guests on another podcast, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. And because I listen to all of those things, I have a bunch, I've accumulated a bunch of out of context, creepy seeming information. <laughs> like I had to go like, okay, Lisa, don't act overly familiar just because you've listened to all of his podcasts. Like don't go like, so how's the bungalow in Pasadena going? How's your cat You bug? kept it cool. You kept it cool. I, I really, I tried to. <laughs> you kept as cool as a Gullickson could anyway. I did. And- Jordan and Tony were both super, they were super generous. And before the interview, they gave us carte blanche to talk about pretty much whatever we wanted with a special emphasis on the characters, which is all I ever want to talk about anyway. Yeah, and I love how they react when we spring our format upon them in this conversation. <laughs> if you are a first-time listener, you should be aware that what we do here on the podcast is we take a comic book couple like, say, Sue and Reed of the Fantastic Four, and we pair them up with a self-help relationship book like The Four Tendencies. And we use that self-help book to better understand the couple, but also to better understand our own relationship. And Bubble contains many relationships, many kinds of relationships, and it was a real treat to tackle this concept from our point of view with the creators themselves. So I think we've fluffed this pillow of context <laughs> enough, I yes. think, that uh, we're ready to settle in. Yeah, let's get into this conversation. And while we do that, I'm gonna go wash my hands one more time. Meet me back in the outro. Let's see if I can get this gasoline smell off of my fingers. <laughs> Jordan Morris and Tony Cliff, thank you so much for joining the show. We are crazy honored to have you on talking about Bubble. Uh, for our listeners though, 
let's make sure we know who Jordan is and who Tony is. So if Jordan, you could introduce yourself first. Not awkward. Hi, it's me, Jordan. This is what I sound like. <laughs> I hope you can go with that bit for this whole conversation. Oh, I cannot. I'm uh, saying no. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for bringing that up. It was a bad choice. I should not have done that goofy voice. Uh, this is my actual voice, and I am Jordan, and I talk. Core blimey governor. Uh, this is the sound <laughs> of... Tony's voice. He talks like that because he's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're always saying blimey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, we have accents on par with my own, so I feel at home. Uh, so, guys, not to put any pressure on you, but we've just spent the last five hours talking about Bubble before you even got on here. I have. I listened to the podcast when it first came out, and I've read the book now at this point. I read it today. And I've only read the comic. I have not listened to the podcast. So that's where we're coming from, uh, fan-wise. We engaged um, very much so to the characters and the relationship dynamics. And I'm curious when you are setting out to establish this story, I mean, or maybe it's not even the story you're establishing first. Like, what comes first? Is it character is it world is it narrative uh yeah i guess so for me the it kind of started out as world a little bit i had this um you know i had this friend who lived in like the you know coolest most mustachy part of brooklyn and uh you know she um you know she had a real grown-up job but she lived in this kind of like you know, apartment with five other people and she slept in a walk-in closet, but she was like so happy just because she loved the coffee and the music and the like energy and, you know, uh, and to like kind of compound things, this, this bad apartment she lived in was, um, uh, above a nightclub and it just like, you know, and it's New York, so till 4 a.m. it was just booch, 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 booch underneath their apartment. And I remember asking her, like, wow, is it like that every night? And she's like, no, 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 it's not like that every night, just Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that, that was the kind of the start of the idea that, you know, like, uh, you know, and I live in L.A. where, uh, uh, you know, things can be similarly uh, crummy slash great. Um, and yeah, and I, I kind of like saw my peers and we were all kind of like, you know, going through these little tiny hells just so we could live in a cool city with like improv classes and, you know, uh, <laughs> fake dive bars and food trucks. Um, and you know, uh, so yeah, that kind of like, that kind of started the germ of the idea. And then I kind of imagined this friend of mine, like, you know, going on her morning run and just getting attacked by monsters and having to fight them all off. And, the, but being like, Oh, there's a great little donut pop up. So that was kind of like <laughs> the germ of the idea. And then, yeah. And then the, the other stuff kind of got filled in. I was kind of like thinking about the different kinds of people who, you know, live in a hipster city. And then the idea of them all being under a bubble kind of came up and, and yeah, that's 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 kind of the the order of things. So when I started the book, I you know I didn't read the back. I I, I told Lisa specifically, don't tell me anything about this story, because uh, she started to give me like some pop culture touchstones. I was like, no no no, let me go in just 
knowing nothing. And as I'm reading the comic and we get to that first imp and the, you know, Morgan takes care of that imp pretty quickly and it is incredibly violent. I was shocked at how violent it was. My experience with first second books uh, has not really uh, shown me a world like this. So I'm curious, you know, Tony, Jordan, when you're like adapting it, when you're, when you're finally going into the world thinking of your audience, how you want to grab them. There's a great jelly donut joke in there, but it's also just really gross. Tell me about those early stages in establishing the tone of bubble as a comic. I I will say from my part, um, having, (laughs) having written and illustrated very kid friendly things. Um, I, I had listened to the podcast well in advance of, of getting started on this. So like, you know, start to finish, and so had a good idea of the the good idea of, of that a good idea of that tone, um, and like one of the things that was appealing about it is that it all felt pretty cohesive and also pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I think I think the fun uh, the humor of it sort of um, <laughs> sort of surfs over the fact that there's just blood spraying everywhere. It's also a good contrast. Uh, yeah, I you know I. I I always kind of, I don't remember if Tony and I had a specific conversation about gore levels or not. Um, but you know, I like gore and already like, you know, the thing already has like a lot of swears and sex jokes in it. So like (laughs) it's already for grownups. So, you know, Mm -hmm, we might as well mm -hmm. also add a lot of blood and guts too. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I was, I was thrilled about the amounts of gore and the blood fountains and stuff like that. Those and yeah, yeah, blood fountains. Exactly. Yes. Like it's, it's extreme. It's not, you know, we're not anatomical about it. It's just like, it's cartoonish. It's, uh, it's sort of, um, shoot. I don't know. I mean, there's like an evil dead like quality to it. You know, thank evil you. That is too. what evil a do. Yeah. <laughs> Army of darkness. I, I, I am flattered. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay. Let's be yes. real. <laughs> oh man. Army of darkness was my absolute favorite. It is really wonderful. Yeah. I didn't see it till like later in life. And I had had the stereotype in my head of it being like the movie that like, you know, kind of douchey film school guys <laughs> liked and I was like all right I guess I'll watch this thing that's probably going to be super overrated and then I watched it I'm like oh shit army of darkness rules those few <laughs> are right on the money this thing is so funny and oh, yeah and I think that's that's a, that's a good that's a good um uh you know parallel for like the gore and bubble is that it's meant to be like fun and funny and cartoonish it's not meant to like shock anybody I was so stoked when I was reading it that to see that it wasn't tidied or cleaned up in any way. I'm like, yes, the sex pit made it in. I was very <laughs> satisfied. But for me, uh, Morgan's story is really a story about finding and expressing your authentic self. And uh, I find it uh, of course, really interesting that you're coming from the perspective of an LA or a Brooklyn where uh People tend to wear their inauthentic selves as like a kind of armor. And I love that in this story, the patron saint of authenticity really is Van, Mm. the guy in a man bun who's like, (laughs) yeah, I 
unironically like the song, Your Body is a Wonderland. Uh, can you speak to the, the contrast between Van and Morgan and, and the lessons that Van has to teach her? Yeah, I mean, Van is just like, is a type of guy that I love. You know, he is a, like, just kind of a good-looking, chill dude who is chill because, you know... Well, but primarily good looking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he kind of has the like, you know, the the handsome guy swagger. Um and I think we learn a little bit later that his his life has not been all, you know, uh, easy street. He's he's had it tough and he has his own um stuff that he's coping with. But um yeah, I don't know. I kind of always just like those, you know, McConaughey chill dudes um who you know, just kind of like seem to kind of coast through life. I, I love that as a character. And, um, and yeah, and I think those guys were as they can be kind of like annoying and full of themselves sometimes also like have a lot to teach us, you know, they are alternately kind of eye rolling, which Van is at times, uh, but also like good examples of how to just relax and enjoy life. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like those, I, I like those guys. I kind of like, you know, you cringe a little bit at their, you know, yoga Instagram posts, but also like, shouldn't we all be that happy and chill all the time? Isn't that something to shoot for? So, um, yeah, it's a, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I, I like Van a lot. And uh, this is, this is super interesting because I always thought Van's whole thing was a little bit put on. Like a little bit inauthentic. Oh, really? Because to me, like, I I felt like when I first met him Mm. as a character, like, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, this guy is faking. Douchebag. Yeah. But then the Mm. more you get to know him and you get to know where he's coming from and you find out he was wearing the man bun as a child. Like, (laughs) he came out of the womb (laughs) bun first, you know, to, I interpreted his character as like, yeah, I I can be a little eye rolly. I am the guy with the guitar at the party, and you know what? That's that's okay. That's how I interpreted it as a like a reader. Yeah, I know. You know, he's he, he he's a he's a complex stew, isn't he? Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think he is a fun contrast to Morgan, who whose thing is like kind of figuring out where she belongs, like kind of feeling like she's trapped between two worlds. And yeah. And I, I know as somebody who like, you know, lives in a, you know, big city now, but and I grew up in a, a very suburby suburb in Orange County. So like there is part of me that, you know, loves city stuff, but also just part of me that wants to eat at a cheesecake factory with a lot of parking. <laughs> and um, yeah. And I think that's kind of like, that's kind of one of Morgan's characteristics is that she, you know, had this childhood out in the wild, like fighting for survival. And now she kind of like is in this kind of cushy bubble, um, you know, where life is a little bit easier, but also there's part of her that still wants the other thing. So yeah, it's interesting. And I think we're all kind of like that. I think if, if, you know, you've experienced different, you know, ways of living, you know, you carry the pros and cons with you throughout life. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, at some, at some parts in your life, something a little cushier seems better. And at other parts in your life, you want something that's a little more challenging. So yeah, I, I think that that's, that's kind of something that Morgan is dealing with throughout the story is like, how, how do I want to live at this point in my life? You know, 
which which of the things do I want? She does, in fact, contain multitudes. Of course. I, I also unironically quote that one Whitman quote that I know all of the time. I also, <laughs> like, Mitch's story arc somewhat parallels Morgan, but also is a foil to Morgan's because he is a normie who likes the Dave Matthews band and has like humble aspirations about owning and operating a party bus. And he's a little bit embarrassed about it. And he ends up gaining the superpower. And in a way he really wants to embrace and and bask in that specialness. And it is so endearing. And um, I was just wondering where the, where the character of Mitch comes from and what do we learn from Mitch? I keep wanting to say that Mitch is a self-insert from me, but I don't have those party bus uh, aspirations. So uh, Yeah, he felt like a self-insert for me. <laughs> and I do have party bus aspirations. I think that a, a comic book podcast is a type of party bus. Party bus. Yes. Yeah. A party bus for the ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Mitch, you know... Uh, Mitch came from a feeling that maybe we have all had when we're in a hip place, you know, a hip restaurant with, you know, Edison bulbs or a, you know, uh, yeah, at a, at a, you know, cool a music, shared communal table, a shared communal some table. antlers on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Where we all feel like, boy, I am faking it. I do not belong here. These people are all cooler than me. They're dressed better than me. And yeah. And I think, I think, I, I, I think, We've all perhaps had a moment where we've felt like that, where we're just kind of these imposters. And yeah, and I think Mitch kind of like learns that he is he is great and worthy. And just because he doesn't fit in, you know, at the communal table with the antlers doesn't mean he doesn't fit in somewhere, you know? Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of like, that was kind of the germ of Mitch, is this like dude who's kind of a nervous, awkward mess because you know, he doesn't feel like he belongs. So it's clearly like no coincidence that three of the four big bads or four of the four, depending on how you look at it, of this book are conglomerates of individuals who have succumbed to a form of hive mind or groupthink. Because we have book club, which is like the vapid suburban angle. We have the beard, which is the hot takes hipster kind of thing. <laughs> we have the spore zombies. Is like this toxic impulse in our current cultural climate? And is it something that you feel odds with when you're creating your art or just in your ordinary life? Jeez, you mentioned having extracted the themes from this book, and I'm wondering which theme extractor you used because it is a clearly high-quality theme extractor, and I would like to get one of those for my own purposes, please. Is that it something is, I can order on Amazon? I um, think it is my version of the sting. Like, uh, it's not always useful, but when it pops out, it is concise. Uh, but hive minds. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for... Um, and thank you for... <laughs> It's considering that repetition a theme and not just lazily returning to a well. <laughs> <laughs> you say potato, I say tomato. Sure. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think, you know, it, it, it's just part of the fiction of the world. It's really fun to, like, you know, see the obnoxious monster version of the annoying person. Like, the idea that, like, this environment can turn you into the worst possible stereotype of yourself. Um, yeah, I think that was just kind of the like fun, the fun thing we were playing with is like, 
you know, what if this, you know, what if this kind of cartoonish person or people became, yeah, became the horrible Cronenberg mutant of themselves. Um, yeah. And I do think there's, there's a, there's a lesson about groupthink there and how we all become kind of like when we're all, you know, mushed together with people who have the same worldviews as us, we all get, you know, louder and a little bit more annoying. Uh, but I also think it's like, uh, the thing that you're doing, you're faking to, to seem special mm-hmm. is actually making you indistinguishable, ingu- indistinguishable from the person next to you. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that there is, there's an, yeah, there's an, there's an idea in there about, yeah, if you're just in an echo chamber, you're all just kind of mushed together and nobody's actually thinking for themselves. So, yeah, I think I think uh, I think that's in there. <laughs> I am curious about the collaboration process. You know, like Tony saying, that's not really how he interpreted Van. Like Tony, like when you are starting your journey with Jordan and Sarah on this book, like, are you guys seeing these characters and these ideas eye to eye? How are you working them out? What does that look like? I'd, an important caveat here is that it's been about two years since we, at least, since sure. we started to work on this. So I think so. A lot of the, um, a lot of the details about how we got started on this, which is when most of the collaboration took place. Uh, is is a little bit lost to my memory. Like I also forgot how big of an influence Army of Darkness was on my <laughs> life. Like I, I man, I used, to, I used to have an Army of Darkness soundboard or something on my computer when I was thirteen yeah. or however, however old. Man, uh, you yeah, and there me was, both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friend and I like it was the thing we quoted. Like Simpsons and Army of Darkness were the things we threw back at each other. I uh, had an Army of Darkness early website. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And it was just quotes. That's <laughs> it was just yeah. quotes up. He learned yeah. HTML for that shit. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> it swallowed your soul. Yeah. Um, what are the big quotes? Uh, shop smart, shop as smart. Oh, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It's my boomstick. Uh, well, yeah, gr- you know, groovy. Yeah. Oh, Hail so of the perfect. king, baby. You know. Oh, I love it. Oh, let's just bask in it. I know all those Nukem <laughs> quotes first. <laughs> Man, oh, that's another one. Um, but yeah, collaboration was like... But like, were you on the same page? Like, or, or was it all about executing what you got from the podcast? And the script. And the script, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, you know, like the, the only true answer to that is it was sort of like, it was a balancing act between the two. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how much Jordan and Sarah, Sarah Morgan, I don't know how much they changed exactly from the podcast to the script that I was looking at at the start. Um, but then there was there was a lot of uh, back and forth, tennis. Uh, there was a process of having to cut down the story quite a bit just to make it a sort of manageable thing (laughs) like just so that we could get everything done and out of the door and into your hands in a reasonable amount of time (laughs) instead of talking you know having the same conversation in 2032 (laughs) um so we cut down a bunch um but like to to from looking at your website tony like action adventure the action adventure aspect is like such a natural fit for you with what you've already been doing with Delilah Dirk when you started to pr- approach bubble like what about the 
story felt like opportunities and what about the story like felt like hurdles? Um, <laughs> the opportunities were definitely in like, oh, this is okay. So first of all, first of all, um, I have been a Jordan Jesse Go listener for a very long time. Me too. Um, I love Bubble when it came out. I I was working on a Delilah Dirk book and listening to that at the same time and just laughing through it. I'm like, this is such a goddamn treat. Um, <laughs> So the opportunity, you know, when it was presented to me was a very simple choice of, of like, yeah, uh, yes, yes, please. That would be nice. And also, um, yeah, so I, I've made three Delilah Dirk books. They are uh, loosely analogous to like the flavor and feel of an Indiana Jones type thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pretty like all ages friendly, um, you know, nothing to... Uh, nothing offensive really in there, maybe. <laughs> and I'm not saying bubble is offensive, but I am saying, <laughs> but I am saying, sure. <laughs> like tonally, yeah. Um, tonally, it's it's a nice. It's, it's just something different. It's set kind of in the future or like kind of contemporary. Um, yeah, it's, it's like it's a it's a little bit rude. It's uh, a little bit crude. It's a little bit attitude. <laughs> we were talking about Ninja Turtles the other day. Um, but uh, so, so, that, so that was lovely. That was, you know, to get to the chance to, you know, splash some blood or, you know, imp blood all mm-hmm. over the panels and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, to work, <laughs> to work through it with Jordan and Sarah um, and chat about it and, and yeah, sort of, help do something do something different for me um the hurdles i i mean i'm i the only hurdle really is that it like i just felt i i I just would have liked to have done it faster you know i would have liked to be to be able to you know drawing takes a certain amount of time you draw a page it takes a while Mm -hmm. um so the hurdle was it didn't exist and now and then you signed up to do it and now it has to (laughs) i mean (laughs) It's just, you know, it's the work. It would be nice to, you know, wiggle my nose side Mm -hmm. to side and it appears before us. But I haven't figured that out yet. So Mm. if your listeners would like to um, write in (laughs) with any tips uh, as to how I might get there from here, that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. So Um, if we haven't made it clear, like with Bubble, you come for the gruesome alien gushing blood and dirty words, but then you stay for these incredibly rich and wonderful characters. So for anybody who hasn't been introduced to the Bubble characters, I would love to get to know them a little deeper, perhaps through their love languages. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the love languages. It's words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, quality time, and acts of service. So I'm going to name just uh, just four characters, just the main Scooby gang of characters. And I would like you to tell me what you think their love language is, and do know that I do have the correct answers written down. So this uh, is okay. a little bit <laughs> of a so bit. It's a, it's a little bit of a pop quiz. Right. But as an example, I would say that Eli, Morgan's hot dad, I would say that his love language is acts of service. <laughs> and I think that his raising his daughter to become this badass monster fighter was how he was trying to love her. And I don't think that that necessarily expressed itself during her. I don't think she quite spoke that language as a child. So um, let's start with Morgan. What would you say Morgan's love language is? Is it words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, quality time, 
or acts of service. Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I think Morgan is maybe like the best. You know, she's the best at being a friend. It might be acts of service, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's kind of like reluctant to go on the adventure, but realizes that it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, I think she's she. Yeah, maybe let's. I would. I would personally go acts of service for Morgan. I don't. I don't know about you, Tony. If you agree with that or not. She, well, I'm. I'm thinking through them. I don't think it's gifts. I don't think it's words because she's pretty, she keeps that to herself, I think. Mm. Well, I think the point, if we were awarding points, oh, oh, Tony, you're still processing. Please show your work. (laughs) (laughs) I got one of those Macintosh spinning beach balls in front of my face. No, 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 no. Uh, Sorry, go. Oh, okay. Well, then uh, Jordan got the point. Yes, it's, ha- it's a half a point because I would say that her uh, she has a, it was like I guess a trick question because she is a dual she's she's bilingual in love language and I would say it is acts of service but tied with gifts oh. and I think that Bonnie when Bonnie was giving her the oh. knives I think that that was her manipulating her through her love language because it really <laughs> it was the it was the object that made her become part of Hunter. You don't think Bonnie's love language is his gifts, and that's why she... Bonnie's love language is knives. (laughs) (laughs) Little stabbies. (laughs) Little stabbies. Little stabbies. Um, How about Annie? Gifts. Uh, Yeah, what is... Yeah, Annie's... That's interesting. I feel like she makes things for people. Yeah, she's kind of a maker, I think. She's I like crafty. That. That's, that was the only one that came immediately to me as soon as you suggested this. <laughs> but I also am not that familiar with this concept. So I also think physical touch would be a strong one for her. Because yeah, of the back yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Because of the back thing, also because of the sex thing, and also because of the butt pinch. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. of course. I mean, again, you know, like, I think everybody ought to be able to subscribe to at least a few of these. Oh, I mean, I think for sure. And I, I don't know if there's, we, we talk about on the podcast, like there are like wings that people have. And so you can have a little bit of like acts of service could be your primary love language, but then your secondary one could be physical touch. Notice that he's using lingo from both love languages and the Enneagram. So we are in very deep. <laughs> okay. I think this isn't, this is the softball, you guys. What about Van? What is Van's love language? Oh, um, remind me what the love languages are again. Uh, okay, kegels. it is words, <laughs> words of affirmation, <laughs> gifts, physical touch, quality time, and acts of service. Uh, I maybe it's quality time. I think yeah, that correct. would have been my guess. Okay. Correct, yeah. that is correct. It is quality time. And then for the last one. What what is Mitch's love language? Would you say? <laughs> oh, uh, maybe I'll go words of affirmation. Also correct. Very good. This is yeah. very satisfying to me. I don't know how you guys <laughs> felt about it, but I feel amazing. My love language is words of affirmation. So if you could tell me I did a good job, I'd really appreciate it. This was a very good quiz, and I think this is a fun way to think about characters. And perhaps I will use it for future characters. This is a way to ah. this kind of a jumping off point. It's really interesting. We started uh, the podcast with the five love languages, and that book is super problematic. Yeah, don't read the book. I I dislike a lot about it, but that quiz, like these, this strata 
has stuck with us and we apply it to everyone and everything. That is correct. That is correct. Is this a tool now that I should be using on all future projects to make sure characters are distinct from each other? <laughs> Not that idea. I, to me, I find that as I, like whenever I read a, uh, any story, watch a movie, read a comic from the lens of any kind of personality quiz, I generally do find characters that just, I think the personality types just kind of naturally bubble up. Like in a story, you're trying to create contrast. And I think love languages is something we intuitively contrast with each other just and in creating story characters. I think it just happens. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a, like a source of conflict when characters have different love languages. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's how like friend characters can have conflict is when they're like, no, we're each, we're each expressing ourselves. We're just doing it differently. Am I going to have to buy a copy of this book to keep no, next to my no, theme don't do it. You literally learned all you need to know about it. You just, have, you just need to vaguely know what they are and then you're good. Yeah, I'm Tony, just putting together a shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> there's one relationship book to read. You got to make it men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> We did do that one. Oh my god. That one was really tough. That was what that was we used Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus for Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples saga. Oh, okay. That was wild. That yeah. was a wild series. Um, what is what is the weirdest uh, or or most difficult um relationship analyzing uh, tool or or methodology or whatever you call it uh, that you guys have encountered? Oh, well this is oh, I would say the Boeing's family systems thing. Theory. Oh boy, Lisa. That one was a really to tough one. one. Oh, we do not have a time. <laughs> well, we can all just write that down. Okay, the Bowen's family system theory is that at the basic like level of it, everybody is a sponge and anxiety is like water. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a family system, you're constantly pushing, like once your sponge is filled, you're pushing that anxiety onto the next person and how they react to it. Is based on how much water their sponge already has. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Oh, man. Guys, so before we say goodbye, uh, you know, we get done with this book. I get done with this book. And my first question to Lisa is well, the story's not over. I want more bubble. Uh, I know that you've you've been toiling away on it for a long time now, and it's gone through multiple iterations already um, and multiple iterations in the future to come. But like, am I going to get another first, second graphic novel in the bubble universe? Uh, well, um, oftentimes I'm told, and again, I'm new to publishing. So <laughs> if this is not how it works, please feel free to correct me. But from what I understand is that if a first volume of something sells well, the publisher will want to make more money. So they will Ooh. ask for another one. Well, that seems rude. <laughs> <laughs> this coincides with my experience. <laughs> I'm new to this world. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously the 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 creative team of Bubble is uh, is busy with various things. But I uh, I'll go ahead and blatantly speak for all of them and say <laughs> that we all had fun doing this and uh, and and time permitting would love to do more if zero people, lies detected yes if, if if so people would like more uh we would certainly like to make more uh yeah so if 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 you uh liked uh, the podcast or if this book sounds interesting uh, uh 
we would encourage you to pre-order it. That is also something that I'm told publishers like. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and if you if you read it and like it, definitely uh, give it a review somewhere or crow about it on social media. Um, and yeah, and I think all those if those all of those things go well, um, uh, perhaps they will ask for more, and perhaps we will get to do more. If you are a person who does not want to spend the money on the book, um, go ask your library to bring it in. Yes. That, yeah. also, that is also lovely. It's crazy how many great graphic novels you can get at the library now. Yeah, like, totally. It, when perfect. I was a kid, not the case. But now, they've got everything. You yeah. can get it. I would also say that um, if you haven't listened to the podcast and this conversation has intrigued you, I would say read the book first. As a person who has done both, the book is wonderful. The art is wonderful. It really translated so fluently into a comic book. And I think read the book first. And then if you love that world, then you get to go back and read and listen to the audiobook, which just blows the world out and blows the story out. You get more of uh, the voice of it, more of that sharp writing, more jokes, and you also get more time with those characters. So that's that's my prescription to anybody who wants to get into Bubble. Yeah, thank you. No, it's interesting. I it's been it's been kind of fun talking to someone who listened and then read and someone who just read because I think we mm-hmm. we we wanted to be conscious of both groups. We didn't want, you know, the person who hadn't read the podcast to feel like this was just a collection of inside jokes that they weren't getting <laughs> and we didn't want the people who had listened to feel like, you know, they were just getting a rehash of what they already heard. So, yeah, it's 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 nice to hear that that uh, it can be, it can appeal to both groups. I mean, it is interesting. Like when I heard that it was an adaptation of your, your, the podcast, I thought, oh, will that work? And I don't know why I thought like, oh, will that work? But when you're reading the comic, it doesn't feel like an adaptation. It feels like this is the this thing. This is the thing. Though there uh, are little Max Fun, Max Fun Easter the, <laughs> That is the love language we love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're, a, if you're a fan of the Max Funiverse, uh, uh, there's some, there's some little, uh, drawn cameos, mostly thanks to Tony. I think those were mostly mostly Tony's uh, Tony's ideas. Um, so yeah, hopefully it. Uh, yeah, if so, if, if if you're a fan of the Max Funiverse, there's some uh, there's some fun little nods. Um, but yeah, but if if you're not, if you hate Max Fun podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> it won't. Destroy. Any likenesses are entirely coincidental, right? <laughs> uh, so we'll have links in the show notes where you can go uh, find you guys and order books and all that stuff. But uh, just for the people who don't look at my show notes that I write tirelessly and 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 stress over, for those people, can you? Let them know audibly where they can find you uh, online. Uh, yeah, I'm at Jordan underscore Morris on Twitter and uh, uh, Jordan David Morris on Instagram. It's a recent Instagram. I'm trying it out. <laughs> Will I like Insta? Who knows? Uh, you can find me at uh, I am uh, at TonyCliff.com. Not like at TonyCliff.com on Twitter. I mean, I am on Twitter, but also <laughs> just go to TonyCliff.com, T-O-N-Y-C-L-I-F-F.com. Uh, and that'll send you to all of those places that work best for you, whatever. Including your new uh, children's book. Yes, Let's Get Sleepy. It looks adorable. Uh, it, <laughs> thank you. It is. I can confirm. I've read, I've read uh, Let's Get Sleepy, even though I have no children. But you do have a cat. I do. Yeah. It's very cat. It's very cat focused, which I appreciate as a, uh, as a, a proud cat weirdo. I love anything that has a picture of a cat. And yes, let's get sleepy. Definitely uh, uh, 
had many cats in it. Oh, the cats oh, in this thing. So, so many, many cats. So many cats. Um, and I'm told that kids love it. So uh, if you have a two, I think two to seven year old in your life, um, yeah, go grab this book. It's a, it's a real delightful, a delightful like bedtime story uh, with lots to look at, lots to engage with on every page. Uh-huh. And I'll just read it to my action figures. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, He-Man. Good night, Shredder. <laughs> Not inaccurate. Cosmic Ghost Rider is my favorite. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Jordan, Tony, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This was a real treat. Uh, if you can't tell, we adored Bubble. I loved Bubble. Oh, thank you. Uh, I want all yeah, our listeners so to read it and buy it and or check it out at the library. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there you are. I love that interview. Wasn't that the funnest? It was like an actual conversation <laughs> and not just an interview. Those are always so nice. How, how are your hands? Uh, let me see. Um, well, you know, I mean, to be, well, no, no, they still smell like <laughs> gasoline. Uh, honestly, I think the issue is that when my hands were soaked in gas, I also rubbed my pants, so I might... <laughs> Need to change my pants. You might you might have some gas in your pants. I, I have gas in my pants. You're like Johnny Storm. You're like highly flammable <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, no. The point of the conversation that I keep going back to is the idea of the party bus. Mm. That some of us um, just have to be okay with having humble aspirations Mm. and not feel embarrassed or judged by others because Mm. of that. That we all have our own party bus that we're looking to drive. And I'm super proud of our party bus, which is our podcast. That's the thing that we do to have fun and we want to make it most, if not all of our time. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, this, this, you guys are listening to our party bus. Welcome aboard. But it is weird that if this is our party bus, Jordan has like a party plane. He's a podcast celebrity, (laughs) right? And it is so strange to have him on our little comic book couples counseling podcast. And I, you know, like before we recorded the interview, I was like, if you say anything you don't like, I can edit <laughs> it out as if he doesn't know how podcasting works. Not to mix metaphors, but this is like, this isn't his first rodeo. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but I, I think that's also part of interviews. You always are going to be interviewing someone who's more successful than you, right? I mean, I mean, so far that, that has <laughs> been the course of our creator quarters, yes. But I think the point of the party bus metaphor is that we shouldn't be comparing our dreams to oh. other people's dreams yeah, okay, because okay, okay, what we really want is our party bus and we don't need people to be jealous of our bus. No, no, no. We And we need to be satisfied with our bus. Yeah. And I'm more than satisfied with this bus. I love our bus. I hope at the very least that our listeners got from this interview a desperate desire to read Bubble. Bubble is so good, guys. And clearly it created a lot of conversation for me and Brad with each other, both on and off the air. And I think it is a comic that we will return to on this podcast mm. and really bring bring the CBCC format to and break it down. We didn't even get into the parenting love triangle between Morgan, 
her dad, Eli, and her weird stepmother slash boss, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to mine there. Lots to discuss. And I'm uh, now having fallen in love with Bubble as a graphic novel, I'm looking forward to exploring the Bubble universe by finally listening to the podcast. Yay! That's happening this week for sure. And you can find links to pre-order the books in the show notes of this episode, but I would also encourage you to head on over to Tony and Jordan's Twitter feeds because they have links to independent bookstores that they will be providing signed copies to. So get those books from them. Even though this episode is kind of in the middle of our Fantastic Four series, it's also closing out Mm. a really amazing series of Creator Corners we've done. Yeah, so we did a whole month of Creator Corner conversations. We talked to Rob Williams about Judge Dredd End of Days. We chatted with Carl Stevens about his graphic memoir, Penny, and Alex DeCampi about her new young adult sci-fi book, Full Tilt Boogie. And if you like Bubble, you're going to love Full Tilt Boogie. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, great pair. Great pair. They're not identical in any way, but they've got a similar vibe. But only one has a sex pit, and that's Bubble. Yeah, there are no sex pits in Full Tilt Boogie, even though it takes its title from the From Dusk Till Dawn documentary. Did you notice that, Lisa? Did you think about the From Dusk Till Dawn documentary? You know what? That ref... Right over my head. Right over your head. Uh, I love the Full Tilt Boogie documentary. I think about it a lot. It's one of the best behind the scenes uh, docs. Like if you want to know what it's like to make a movie, especially a Robert Rodriguez movie and a Quentin Tarantino movie, you should watch Full Tilt Boogie. That's all I'm saying. That ends my ad for (laughs) Full Tilt Boogie, the documentary. Who's driving this party bus? Uh, I am. And yeah, so go listen to those interviews. If you haven't, go support all those artists. They're totally rad. Buy Bubble. Uh, Join our Patreon because guess what? There's more Jordan Morris and Tony Cliff content for you guys. That's true. If you're listening to our regular feed, there is a whole chunk of the interview that was not included. And some of you might consider it very juicy. It's very juicy, very juicy. Director's cut, Lisa. But we got to talk about what is happening on Comic Book Couples Counseling next week. Very excited to get back to it with Sue and Reed. We will be covering Fantastic Four Annual Number Three, The Wedding of Sue and Reed Richards, as well as the 40th Anniversary Fantastic Four Special, which I believe Lisa came out in 2005, uh, certainly 40 years after the 1963 wedding. Um, Lisa, you've already read the issues. I have. And you had a good time with them? I did. Yeah, I read them as well this week, and I think they're great. I really like that 40th Anniversary Special. I think it will make for a great conversation. And of course, our love expert is Gretchen Rubin and her book, The Four Tendencies. In the last episode, we did discern not only Sue and Reed's tendency, but also Johnny's and The Things, Ben Grimm's, and I threw in Dr. Doom just for funsies. Did we do Namor? We didn't really talk about Namor's Mm. tendency. I know his Enneagram. He's an eight. <laughs> he's, he, he's definitely an eight. So there you go, guys. Another fabulous episode, if I don't mind saying so myself. And I don't. It may just be the squid on my head, but I feel amazing. 
Brad, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art, send them over to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. Yeah! If you like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Mm. We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. I like big buses, and I'll tell you why. 